I'd like for you to turn your Bible with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, if you would please. Uh, the book of Acts, chapter number 16. If you would turn there this morning, please, just for a moment. A wonderful story in the Word of God. And just, uh, I just, uh, you know, God's plan of salvation is so simple that a child can understand it. And yet the intelligent giants of the world stumble at it. And I often wondered that and I found a verse. I'm just going to read it for you. You don't have to turn there. You'll find it in the book of Matthew. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Isn't it amazing how simple salvation really is and how complicated the educated mind tries to make it. Isn't it amazing that kids in the children's church can understand it, go home and tell the parents, and the parents are blown away because they don't understand it. I was visiting one day with a family whose child had received the Lord, and I was talking to the family about baptism, trying to convince the parents to allow the child to be baptized and uh, actually I got kind of irritated I don't do that very often anymore because I'm not fast enough to run to survive and I was explaining to the parent about what the child had done how they had received the Lord and how they had been saved And, and I just got agitated because here this parent is telling me that the child just cannot understand baptism and spiritual truths. And I popped off and said, ma'am, why don't you tell me what you know about it then? Don't ever do that. (laughs) I did not mean to be uh, irritating or rash or anything. But I'd like to talk to you today on the simplicity of salvation. Why is it that the child can understand it? Yet the educated mind struggles with it. Out of the book of Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read beginning at verse 16 because it carries into the next event. The Bible says that it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. 
And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose, many arose and uh, rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent their clothes and commanded to beat them. Now that is a common practice still today in the Middle East is beating. I read recently of a person that was convicted of a certain crime and the penalty was imprisonment, but they had to be beaten 1,000 stripes over the next few years, so many per week. After the first beating, the man was so innate and unable to do anything, they postponed the beatings, but they are still practicing this in the Middle East. Now notice, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inter-prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Notice their feet, not their hands. These men were beaten severely lacerated backs, pain beyond probably all comprehension, not thrown in the common cell, but into the inter-prison, and there made fast with stocks upon their feet. And the stocks were to initiate pain, not to secure them. They were secure in the prison, but to initiate pain, they spread the legs apart extremely far and locked their feet in that position because the pain that is a result of that. And the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God. I wonder what our attitude would be. Notice the word midnight. Two words, midnight. Mid, middle, night, period of darkness. How do you behave in the darkest part of your life? At midnight in the middle of the darkest time of their life. When the doctor has said it's cancer, there's no cure. When the wife looks at you and says that your nose are eating a banana, 
I'm leaving you. I don't love you anymore. When the phone rings and somebody says, your child has had an accident, that's the midnight. And we all have midnights. When your wife burns the biscuits, that's not midnight. It's when you're not smart enough to eat it anyhow. That's midnight. We need to be careful how we act and react at midnight because somebody's listening. The Bible said, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison Waking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, fell down for Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all of his house. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. The simplicity of salvation. There's much in this story that we can learn concerning salvation. There are so many, many ideas, theories, and so forth and so on that people have propagated about being saved. But the jailer is probably not an ordinary wimp kind of guy. He's probably could play tackle for any football team in town. He's probably a rough and tough dude. His job demanded that he be very agile and, and physical. He's probably not very highly educated. But notice his question, if you would please, in verse 30. What must I do to be saved? Now let that sink in just a minute. What must I do to be saved? Saved from what? From the earthquake? I would say no, because the earthquake has already transpired and the doors are open. He didn't need to be saved from the earthquake. He sprang in trembling, the Bible said, trembling, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Saved from what? From the officials, from his superiors, that's going to cut his head off if the prisoners all escape. What must I do to be saved? He said, saved uh, from what? Paul, the great apostle in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? 
I didn't mean to confuse you or anything. I just thought I'd saved from what? Or where will I go to find out what this man wants to be saved from? Where can I go to find the answer for what Paul was saying when he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where should I go to find out what educational institution should I go to to find out saved from what? Do you need to be saved? And from what? You say, well, I'm not a Baptist. I won't hold that against you. Several years ago, when we tried to get the first loan for our building down near the Spanish church, I was trying to borrow $220,000. I needed to be saved in days. Our attorney was a Methodist fellow. I didn't care what he was as long as he was a good attorney. We was all sitting around the table there with the president of the bank and vice president of the bank and flunky, flunky Gene and everybody else. And I'm sitting around the table and this Methodist looks at me and says, Preacher, when we get to heaven, if we find out Baptist is running things, will you kick me out? I'm a Methodist. I said, well, if we get to heaven and we find out Baptist run, we'll both leave. Do you need to be saved? From what? If you don't need to be saved, how come? You're the only one I know it, don't? Saved. Save from what? Would I be maybe committing a misdemeanor if I listened to an angel? for just a minute and find out what the angel told Mary and Joseph in Matthew 11 and verse 25 listen now saved from what this guy's a marine why should he need to be saved this guy's a hunter he needs all the help he can get what's your excuse The angel said, and I believe it with all of my heart, in Matthew 1 and verse 21, the Bible said that the angel said, and she shall bring forth a son. Now listen. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. You and I have a sin problem. We are sinners by nature. What must I do to be saved from my sins? Do you 
parents have a class at your house on how to teach your kids to do wrong? <laughs> Say, now look, you little bugger, you got to start lying real quick. Somehow or another, the six that I've raised, I did not have to teach them how to do wrong. You see, we're living in a day when people do not like to be called sinners because that is offensive. And we must not offend anyone any longer because that is not politically correct. We can't say white is white, black is black, brown is brown. We got to mix it all together and make it gray or some other color. We just can't be offensive. Remember when drunkenness was a sin and not a disease? When I was a kid, I didn't think being a drunk was being sick, but stupid. I mean, have you ever heard they were stupid drunk? Not sick drunk. Uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, Now, and that's been two or three weeks ago, when pregnancy out of wedlock was a mistake, not an accident. When they didn't call cohabitation, cohabitation. We've got to be politically correct. Abortion is no longer the taking of innocent life. It's pro-choice. Homosexuality is no longer a sin, it's a lifestyle. And gossip is no longer gossip, it's prayer request. <laughs> Folks, we need saved from this stuff. I know most of you have heard of Willie Nelson. Back before he got caught for cheating the IRS when he had a lot of money, he built a golf course on his own personal property. Someone asked Willie one day, what is the par on your course? Now for all you golf illiterates, par is how many strokes they allow you to get from where you start that little round hole up there in the middle of that, that yard. There's a par three, par four, par five, and I've played with some of you guys, par tens. <laughs> Somebody asked Willie, what is the par on your course? 
Willie said, it's my course, my money, and I determine what the par is. He said, see that number one hole? Par is 47, and I birded it yesterday. (laughs) And that's what we've done with sin. Secular humanism has adjusted and redefined by political correctness what sin is. And no longer is sin an act against God. People are no longer evil and sinful. They are sick. Just sick. And I say, yes, they are sick, terribly sin sick. And the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be sozo, Greek, for saved or delivered? What must I do to be delivered from this sinful Nature that makes me want and cling to that which is damning and destructive to me, my family, and to God. What must I do to be delivered from this sinful, sinful nature that I have? I do not know if it be true or not, But in the Eastern culture, there were several forms of penalty and death penalties. And one of them was, they would take a condemned criminal and condemn him to labor and to death. But they would tie a sick, dead body to his back. And everywhere he went, everything he did until he passed away because of sickness, this dead body was tied to his back and everywhere he went, he took this with him. And that's why Paul said, who shall deliver me from this Sin, this dreadful, dreadful body of sin. This Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be delivered from this bondage of death that hangs about me and goes everywhere I go. What must I do to be saved? Saved from what? That which you don't want to do, but you do anyhow. That what you do when you're not thinking just happens automatically. You know, like when the 
speed limit is 70, it's okay to go 75 because they won't stop you. The stop sign doesn't mean stop. It means you slow down a little bit. See, that's not sin. That's just breaking the law. What must I do to be delivered, to be saved from this Sin, what must I do to get rid of the penalty of sin? See, the Bible said the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. The end of sin is death. There were no sin, there would be no death. But by one sin, one man's sin entered the world, Adam. And so death by sin, so death is passed upon all men for that all have sinned. What must I do to be delivered from the penalty of my sin? What must I do to be delivered from the the power and the pollution of my sin. My sin originates on the inside and comes to the outside and fruition to the outside. But this Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be delivered not only from the penalty of sin, but from the pollution and the power of sin? I don't understand folks who are saved that cannot get victory over sin. Because my Bible said I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Salvation is an inside job. It's God taking care of the inside so the outside would manifest his son's presence. What must I do to be delivered? Not only from the penalty, but from the power and the pollution of sin. The Bible said, out of the heart flows murders and envies and fornication, such and such and such. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. You know what's wrong with the world? Sin. You know where sin came from? Us. What must I do to be saved from the pollution power of sin? And what must I do to be saved from the very presence of sin? Did you know one day I can cuss out anybody that I want to cuss out? When I get to heaven, I can say anything to you I want to say to you. Just up there, I won't want to say it. So I'd better say it while I'm down here. <laughs> so I'm going to get that off my chest. No, that don't come from your chest, it comes out of your heart. 
But one day, one blessed day, because I got saved 50 years ago, 50 years ago, I got delivered completely from the penalty of sin. No, sir, you couldn't send me to hell if you wanted to. I couldn't go to hell tonight if I wanted to. Because when I got saved, my sins were washed away and my name was written in the Lamb Book of Life and it's there until I get there. Can you say amen? I am saved from the penalty of sin. I am saved from the power of sin. I have the power to say no. That's what some of you need to do with that dumb computer. Some of you guys watching that pornography. You know how you get out of that stuff? You just push the button and says no. And if that's not good enough, you take your hammer. If you ain't got one, Miss Clinton has one. <laughs> and if it worked on her computer, it'll work on yours. Don't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate, don't know where to run or jump. I know you're watching it. About 65% of all professing Christian men parks their brain in neutral and watches pornography. And how shameful that must be to your wife. How embarrassed that must make her. Bless your peat-picking heart. Turn it off. You say, I didn't like that. I'll see you after church. Okay, I'll pick mine and you pick yours. Butch, you come. All you guys got guns, you come. Now, if you take care of the meeting, I'll be back and close it in prayer. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me. I have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of me to turn it off, to say, no, I will not do that. No, I will not go there. No, I will not say that. No, I will not act that way. I have been saved from the power and the pollution of sin. And one blessed day, when the upper taker comes, I'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. Because the revelation said nothing defiled or ugly will enter those gates. And all the gods, I tell you, that clock is messing me up. That clock says it's 20 till 9. Now, I don't have any idea which day it's talking about. But according to mine, it's 5 minutes till 12. Notice quickly now this Philippian jailer's conviction. In the story, the earthquake happens. The doors fling open. The bondage fall off. He's awakened in his sleep. He comes running into the prison, shaking, springing in, asks for a light, and says, Paul said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. His conviction. His conviction. The dictionary says convict is being guilty of an offense. Conviction is the process of being convicted 
of the offense. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. You think you're going to miss death? You think you're going to get out of this alive? Then you must be a sinner. You said, well, I'm not convinced. Well, when you are convinced and you are convinced that the Bible is true and that you are going to die, you are convicted. What are you going to do about it? This fellow came in trembling, shaking, uneasy. No sleep for that guy. Sleepless nights, worried, anxious. You're not going to get out of this alive. Some 30 years ago, I visited a man in Joshua, Texas. He was doing some work for me. While he was doing that work for me, I witnessed to him about the Lord. And when he got through, I said to him, now look, I'm saving you a seat down at Joshua Baptist Church. And I've been telling him that for 30 years. Last week he called and said, I'm ready for that chair. And Andrew and I went by this week and showed him how to be saved. And he was delivered from his sin in his living room. Penalty, power, and him being 88 years old, it won't be long till he be delivered from the very presence. Conviction. His conviction. Notice his conversion. What must I do to be saved? Next verse. One minute till. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house the word has out that a man was terribly afraid to fly in an airplane. And one day he just sat down and he said, you are a grown man, you are an educated man, you have more sense than that, I know you're scared to get on a plane, buy you a ticket, fly somewhere, even if you're scared to death. So he went down and bought him a ticket. He got on that plane. His knuckles were white. He was scared to death. He strapped himself in that seat and flew to a certain destination, got off. And they asked him, tell us of your experience. He said, well, I was scared to death all the time. I could not even talk. I was so scared. My knuckles were white during the whole flight. But let me tell you the difference. Before I got on that plane, I believed in airplanes. 
When I got off of that plane, now I believe on airplanes. A lot of you folk believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Mentally and in the head. You believe everything this Bible says about Jesus Christ. But you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you believe with the heart. With the heart man, man believeth unto salvation. And with the mouth, confession is made. If you've never believed with your heart, you need to believe with your heart because that's where salvation takes place. Conviction? Yeah. Conversion? Yes. <laughs> I got to close. You say, why? Because my watch says it's straight up and down, 12 o'clock. Nope. Ready for the countdown? 15, 14, 13. <laughs> Notice now, I close with this. The last thing I'd like to say is I see his conviction. I see his conversion. I see his confession. Could I read it for you, please? And the Bible says, and I believe it. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. I'm not so sure he's not the same guy that was whipping them. I'm not so sure he's not the same guy that had the cat of nine tails and whipped those two preachers till their black back was lacerated, running with blood. And probably when he threw Paul and Silas in the jail and he saw that blood running from their back, Paul must have said, say, does this remind you of the blood of Christ <laughs> that washes your sins white as snow? And he slammed that old door shut on that cell and Paul and Silas was laying there on the ground and feet and stocks Paul must have said to that Philippian jailer, this reminds you of when they nailed Jesus to the cross for your sins. Hmm? The Bible said, that he washed their stripes and was baptized he and all of his straight way confession is made. The Bible says, and I close, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. And whosoever denieth me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. You know how you confess the Lord? Through the watery grave of baptism. You get in that watery grave and you say to everyone who's looking, this is an outward profession of an inward faith. And my faith is in the birth and the burial 
and the resurrection. Andrew always said, buried with him in baptism. And like as he was raised by the glory of the Father, even so we will walk in newness of life. That is salvation made simple. Now let me ask something. What are you going to do with your sins? You can answer them for yourself or you can let God put them on his son and let his son pay for them instead.